As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. You know, we love doing this podcast. We love hanging out with uh, the Freak family. And uh, we also really enjoy speaking with uh, the inner circle of Freaks on Patreon. We do like a Zoom gathering every month. And boy, the last one we had was just it was really uh, amazing. Yeah, well, we had people from all over the world. And you guys are so smart. And we've talked about this before, but we get to learn stuff from you and you experience things that we've never experienced. And if you're from Australia, you get to see those murderous birds. So I mean, it's always a good time. <laughs> I think last time we had, uh, we always have at least one or two people from Australia mm. on. We've had people from the UK on. Of course, Canada's always well represented. In fact, we're going to do a Zoom gathering tonight. Uh, We're recording this on Sunday. And uh, we were thinking, you know, we should give away some memberships to the Inner Circle of Freaks. Yeah, and now you've got a chance to win a year in the Inner Circle. We would love to have you join us on the Zoom gatherings. Uh, You'd be able to do that, of course. And ad-free episodes bonus episodes, stuff like that. So we're going to give away three one-year memberships, inductions, if you will, (laughs) into the inner circle in a contest that we're calling Get Your Friends Into the Box. Which sounds dirty, but it's not. Mm -hmm. And also, there's no weird initiation. Like, we're not going to blindfold you and throw you in the back of a van. Unless you want us to. You just get to do the fun stuff with us. And I love that because there's more people to teach us stuff. So knowing the type of person you are, we're pretty sure you've got friends who maybe haven't listened to the Box of Oddities, but would really enjoy it. You guys share the same kind of interests. So we've set up a link that will allow you to uh, share the box of oddities with a friend. And for every time you do that, you get five entries into the contest. It'll be a drawing. There are various ways to get points, kind of. You'll figure it out. You know how this stuff works. Just go to theboxofoddities.com. Oh, I ran out of breath right in the middle of theboxofoddities.com. We are at a higher altitude. (laughs) And, and you've been fighting a cold. Yeah. So, yeah. so go to theboxofoddities.com, all in one breath. Click on the contest link, and uh, there you go. For each person you share the Box of Oddities with, you'll get five entries. Uh, then there are other ways you can subscribe on Apple, you can subscribe on Spotify, a bunch of different things. Yeah. And you can get additional points once you've referred a friend. All the details are right there. That's what I was just going to say. You don't have to tell them how to do every step I just, of it. I know, but I just want people to know that there are like seven different ways that you can win. Okay. Theboxofoddities.com. <laughs> Click on the contest link. We'll also put it in the show description today. Exciting. Get your friends in the box, but not in the dirty way. I mean, you could. Unless, you, of course, I mean, you want yeah. to. Yeah, that's up to you. And, and, and them, they have to be consenting. <laughs> All right, I want you to close your eyes and picture this, if you will. Okay. You're walking down a quiet street of Reading, Pennsylvania, 
Have you ever been to Reading? No. Is Reading where the Reading Railroad from Monopoly comes from? It must be. Okay. And you're talking to some of the locals. You stumble across a secret that this town has clung to and whispered about for well over a hundred years. A Reading secret? It's a Reading secret. It's the kind of secret that makes you want to lean in close when they're telling you about it. And it blurs the line between the living and the dead. But it's not a ghost story. It's much more tangible. And I would even say morbid. Oh. I'm talking about Stone Man Willie. A man who somehow managed to stick around long after his death. His body refusing to succumb to decay. His real name has been lost to time until now. Is he an incorruptible? He's a mummy. He's been an attraction, a conversation piece, and a community's quiet companion. But behind this spectacle, there's there's a pretty dark truth that's waiting to be told. Okay, I have so many questions. Yes. I feel like you're probably going to answer them, but <laughs> this town just has a mummy? Not on purpose. Oh. So let's explore the bizarre post-mortem journey of Stone Man Willie. That's yes, what the locals please. call him. <laughs> How does a man become a mummy in a small town in America? What secrets did he take to his almost grave? The story is as bizarre as it is true. It was the autumn of 1895 in Reading, and the little town was a, it was a little town at the time, was a buzz with the hustle and bustle and excitement of a convention that was taking place. It was the State Firemen's Convention. Also the news of their new railroad system. Well, there was that too. But in the midst of this uh, celebration, uh, there was a shadow that loomed. On the cusp of the festivities, a man found himself in the clutches of Philadelphia detectives who were there to help keep the peace. This was a big citywide festival or convention. This man was apprehended for public drunkenness his imprisonment was intended to protect the town from petty crimes during the parade. It was a temporary measure to keep the peace. But peace is often fleeting, as we all know. And, and upon his release, the man who said his name was James Penn sought out a place to stay in West Reading. And it was the Morris Brown Boarding House. One night, Lizzie Dautrick who worked at the boarding house and stayed there, awoke to a rustling in the shadows. And she saw Penn rifling through her belongings. <gasps> she dived beneath the bed and he ran out to escape. She told the local officials, because she recognized who he was, he was staying in the same boarding house, mm -hmm. and his capture was swift. Authorities took him once more into custody, but uh, the Redding Eagle would soon unmask more than just this one crime. The local newspaper? Yes. Okay. I just didn't know if there was a really smart bird who was just like a tattletale. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was actually the one who started the railroad. Oh, okay. Eagles love railroads. They can't get enough. It seems that uh, they had discovered Penn had been connected to a long string of break-ins, but this time his incarceration led to desperation. Um, he actually had a, a handkerchief with him and he tried to use it to, to end his life, to hang himself. However, his attempt at self-harm did not succeed, but it led to a slower demise. While he was still in custody, his struggle with what was presumed to be alcohol withdrawal culminated in his death. Yet, in his final moments, he confessed to his cellmate that his name that he had given, James Penn, was a falsehood. It was a last-ditch effort to shield his family from disgrace because he claimed he came from an um, upper-society family and mm -hmm. he didn't want to sully the family reputation. You know, a great way to not sully your family's reputation is to not rifle through a woman's belongings while she's asleep. That is sound advice. I'm thinking about putting it on a t-shirt. Along with Eagles Love Railroads? Yeah. Okay. So this guy who says his name was James Penn, but that's really not his name, uh, dies in custody. And his body, because there was nobody to claim his body mm -hmm. and uh, there were no mourners, just lay at uh, Theodore Omen's funeral home where it would become the subject 
of a peculiar endeavor that it was kind of, there was a thin line between science and spectacle at the time uh, because nobody knew who he was. He was an unclaimed body. They decided to experiment on the body uh, using a different and new type of embalming fluid. This kind of reminds me of a very early story you did uh, about Edward, Edwin McCurdy? McCurdy, yeah. Uh Yeah, very similar. He's the guy that ended up um, being, his body was discovered over 100 years later in a funhouse in California. People thought it was a wax dummy. Yeah. What a way to go. At Omen's funeral home, he embalmed the body using an experimental embalming fluid, one that was sourced from the annals of German meat preservation techniques. Oh. Omen's application of the fluid would not only preserve Penn's body, but would inadvertently transform it into a state that's, well, it looked like he was mummified. Kind of like a jerky? Very jerky-esque. As the weeks turned into months, and then the months to years, the embalmed body of Stone Man Willie became a fixture at the funeral home. His features frozen in time, his hair, his teeth remarkably intact, defying the natural course of decay. The embalming had been so effective that Willie's body hardened, Mm. which earned him the nickname Stone Man Willie. Yeah, it would have been really interesting if he had that nickname before. Before, yeah. Yeah. That nickname started at like one of the local brothels or something. Ew. Yet Willie was not buried or laid to rest in any ordinary manner. Nobody came forward, no kin, no family to identify his remains. His identity remained shrouded in mystery, and his body became sort of an exhibit, a Victorian relic that drew curious and and the somber alike. Did they have him in the front window? No, you had to go inside to see him. Actually, you had to ask, I guess. Uh, The funeral home, after a short period of time, successfully appealed to the state authorities to be allowed to keep the remains instead of burying them in order to, quote, monitor any rate of decomp. As a result, Willie became something of an attraction. And throughout the decades, generations of the Omen family ran the family business. It changed hands several times, but it was always a family member that ran the uh, Omen funeral home and took care of Stone Man Willie. Did they have to dust him? I think that they would have to probably dust him. Actually, I've seen pictures of it. It looks like uh, they polished him up good with Pledge. He looks like a fine mahogany. Or the brand that we're finding to be very popular here. Pride. There's so many brands down here that are totally ripping off other brands with their design and logo and everything. How do you know that those other brands aren't ripping off these brands? You don't know. How dare you sully the good name of Pride Furniture and Corpse Polish? (laughs) Over a hundred years go by. A hundred years after his death, Stone Man Willie's preserved form remained an attraction until about 2004 when a scientific inquiry gave us some answers, also raised a few questions. Gerald Conlogue, renowned for his expertise on mummies, turned his attention to Stone Man Willie, that leathery figure that had become a silent fixture at the funeral home. He used x-rays, which of course was a technology unfathomable at the time of Willie's death, and Conlogue's study unveiled some startling revelations. Within the dissected remnants of Willie's esophagus, a collection of coins were discovered. Oh, no. Yeah. Were the visitors putting coins in his mouth? Yes, they were. 21 pennies spanning between the years 1896 and 1961. He's not a wishing well, you guys. Indicating a sustained, albeit secret tradition, where individuals placed coins in what they believed to be Willie's mouth. This act, uh, well, it mirrors an ancient custom from the Greeks and the Romans, they would place coins in the deceased's mouth to pay for passage across the river Styx, ensuring safe travel and transit into the afterlife. It's nice that you can just pay cash rather than... Credit? Well, I was going to say, like, have to answer a series of questions. <laughs> you can, Maybe it's an option. You can answer these questions three or uh, <laughs> give me a pile of cash. Who would cross the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. 
I knew this shitty voice was going to come yeah. in handy at some point. You worked I sound in. like a bridge troll. You worked it in perfectly. Here's a picture of the x-ray with the coins in his throat. Oh, come on, guys. That's amazing, though. Seriously, you can see how they're kind of piled up. And yeah, I got stuck at some point. So now you can actually see the ridges on the coins. It's weird. But the study went much further than Willie's throat treasure. The imaging of the internal organs revealed that despite the ravages of time and that experimental embalming process, there were discernible features within his shrunken form. The initial diagnosis made in 1895, which was kidney failure, was now being questioned. The x-rays did not show conclusive signs of kidney or liver abnormalities that would be consistent with such a diagnosis. Instead, areas within the lungs suggested the possibility of a pulmonary infection, perhaps some sort of respiratory ailment. Do you think that that came from having all kinds of coins in his throat? Um, Do you think think maybe we've got the timeline wrong? (laughs) Well, if it weren't for the dates on the coins, yeah, perhaps. Oh, okay, okay. Because 21 coins in your throat will cause respiratory issues. Mm. And even with these scientific revelations... Stone Man Willie, the man he was in life, remained shrouded in mystery. The coins in his throat, the state of his preserved body, had said a lot about the time period of his death and uh, the century that followed. But the story of the man himself remained just out of reach. It was a lingering question in Redding's history. The study by Conlogue and his colleagues was a, was a huge step in understanding Willie's life, and his preservation, but the quest to fully understand the life of the man himself, who became Snowman Willie, was still a puzzle that remained incomplete. Well, he was a creeper, we know that much. That he was. Fast forward to this year. The decision was made to lay Willie to rest with the dignity that he was denied in death. Kyle Blankenbiller, steward of Willie's legacy and director of the funeral home, said, quote, he's been stared at enough. We've always seen him as more than an exhibit to us. He's been our friend, Willie, but it's time to lay him to rest. But to do that, it would be helpful if we knew who he was. Mm. The true identity of Stone Man Willie had been long concealed behind his pseudonym, James Penn. In a concerted effort to honor the man behind the mummy, the funeral home, alongside dedicated local historians, dug into the annals of the past to... uh, Annals. They didn't dig into the annals of Willie himself. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe that was part of the autopsy. Anyway, there was a concerted research effort, and it revealed that in life, his name was James Murphy, a man with roots to New York, bearing the heritage of Ireland in his blood. Murphy's life had been marred by struggles with alcoholism, a battle that ultimately, they think, led to his demise. And the day they buried him, they didn't just bury him in what, you know, he was wearing. And that's a good question. I wonder if he still had his clothes on. He might have been naked. But they buried him in um, the dignified attire of a gentleman from his era. Did they like go to a vintage shop and they, they must buy have. him a suit? Yeah, they, they got him a, a period correct tuxedo with a bow tie. That's sweet. And a resplendent red sash. A red sash? I guess that was a thing. All right. So beneath the shade of the trees, he was laid to rest, his grave marked by a stone bearing both names that he was known by as a testament to the complexity of his journey from his death to his final burial. Mm. And looking at the picture, Stone Man Willie got top billing in, in larger text. It says, Stone Man Willie! And then on the base, James Murphy. <laughs> so a few mourners gathered in the words of Robert Whitmire, a local pastor, uh, where Stone, quote, Stone Man Willie, known to us now as James Murphy, might once have walked among us as a friend, as kin. Today, we gather not to gaze upon a spectacle, but to celebrate a life and to acknowledge the man who became unwittingly guardian of our history. It closes the chapter with a little dignity, a little grace, some would argue maybe he didn't really deserve it because he was just going to say, yeah, but even though he did a lot of bad stuff, you think it all evens out because we yeah, ogled a, him as a mummy for a hundred years. We did. We did a lot of, a lot of mummy ogling. That's one of my favorite things to do. What would you do if you had a mummy? 
like this. Not like an Egyptian mummy, but a mummy like this that was, you know, 150 years old and... Like just in my house? Yeah. What would you use it for? Like a hat rack? Well, you remember when we were in town the other day? I say in town as though we are prairie people Mm -hmm. who have to load up the wagon. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, and we saw that outfit that was kind of like very 70s-esque. It had the matching top and pants. And there were the bell-bottom pants with the little ruffly sleeves. It was like neon colored. So cute. But not something I would ever wear. But I might like to... Adorn a mummy with it. So if you had a mummy, mm-hmm. you would dress it up. Would you change the wardrobe uh, to Seasonally? reflect the season? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wear a little Santa outfit, Christmas, put him in a little bunny suit at Easter. Maybe he could hold a basket. With some eggs in it. Some. Oh, the yeah. children's eyes would just light up with wonder when they came to the house and saw they could get eggs out of a mummy basket. Look, Mom, the jerky man's got candy. Anyway, I got my information from uh, a great, exhaustively well-researched article written by Alexa Feynman. This was on BurksNostalgia.com, The Guardian, The Reading Times, The Philadelphia Inquirer, and The New York Post. Stone Man Willie, James Murphy in real life. But Stone Man Willie. <laughs> you hear Kat and I talk a lot about aura frames, and there's a reason for that. We live in Ecuador, and our family is all over the place. In fact, Kat right now is up visiting her mom. And when I say up, I mean Maine. We got her an aura frame so we could share photos and videos from any device, and they'll instantly appear on the frame, which makes it easy because she's getting up there in years. It's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app, and it's the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. It is the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get 30% off free shipping and their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, that thing in the middle. So I shared on our Facebook page, the Box of Oddities podcast, a memory from Facebook from like 100 years ago, where I had listed 31 things that I was grateful for in the month of November. Uh-huh. Why 31? I was 31 that year. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say there aren't 31 days in November. No, it was, I was 31. So I listed okay. 31 reasons, things I that I was, okay. yeah, it doesn't matter. Anyway, I shared it and I was like, you know, I used to do this every November. I would list off things that I was grateful for and I stopped doing it at some point and maybe I should bring this back. So I asked the freaks, what are your top five things you're grateful for? And Holy bejesus, did we get some great answers. (laughs) And we can't read them all. In fact, we can't even really read all from one person, but we'll pick a couple out for you. Mm. Angie writes, and this is the top one for her, number one thing. Toilet paper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Heck yes. Sam wrote, and I think this is just precious, friends and family tied for first place. 
Some of them are indistinguishable from the other anyway. Aww. Come on. Alice says grilled cheese sandwiches because how could we measure anything without them? Mm-hmm. It's an excellent point, Alice. Phil writes, my neck, <laughs> my back. Oh, no. Et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Erica wrote, numbers one through five, electric blanket. You might remember my song. Even when it's cold, you make me want to let me drink right off to sleep. Never will I shiver when I have you by my side. Dial turned up to ten electric blanket. You know, if heaven forbid something happens to you, yeah. I'm going to try to convince Erica to spend the rest of her life with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. That's the kind of talent I want to be around day in and day out. Well, the boo effects keep pouring in. And, uh, you know, when we first mentioned that, something, a coincidence that happens that's somehow connected to the box of oddities, mm -hmm. a box of oddities effect. Years ago, we had no idea no that idea. It, would be, it would take on a life of its own. And they we get... Probably 15 a day. Yeah. I like this one. It came from Aaron. Hey, Kat and Jethro had my first Boo Effect. A little background story. My daughter is on the autism spectrum. So I follow a lot of Facebook groups. Someone had mentioned on one of the pages about a, a great sensory area at the Mystic Aquarium in Connecticut. I looked at their page and I was like, they have beluga whales. Mm. In all morning, I told my entire house that we need to go because beluga whales are the cutest. <laughs> so fast forward to just this minute. I'm listening to box 591 and Kat's talking about beluga whales. I was literally like, no way. I'm having a boo effect right now, which is wicked cool and also weird feeling at the same time. A beluga effect. I love the show. And I love what you guys do. Raising my freak flag high in Massachusetts. Nice. Or as my mom used to call it, Mazamahoosets. Cricket Bat sent us a message. Hey, y'all, listening to the newest episode, and I wanted to show you a YouTube video about the people who made Talk to Me. It's the movie that we were talking oh, about yeah. watching a couple of weeks ago. A week ago? I have no concept of time. It's a really cool story because it's really just a bunch of childhood friends who got together and made a YouTube channel. They used all of the money from that YouTube channel to make Talk To Me. And it was their first feature film. Holy crap. Right? I think you'll find it interesting and a little heartwarming, sending you all lots of love, and I hope you're having a good day. I can't wait to watch that, because that was so well done. It was. From top to bottom, it was a really well done professional production. Thanks for that. I'm going to check that out. I'm also getting a ton of sweet potato yam memes. <laughs> yeah, they still they still come in. Which I'm loving. Thank you. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. There are really many reasons to listen to our podcast, Big Picture Science. It's kind of a challenge to summarize them all, Molly. Okay, here's a reason to listen to our show, Big Picture Science, because you love to be surprised by science news. We love to be surprised by science news. So, for instance, I learned on our own show that I had been driving around with precious metals in my truck before it was stolen. That was brought up in our show about precious metals and also rare metals, like most of the things in your catalytic converter. I was surprised to learn that we may begin naming heat waves like we do hurricanes. You know, prepare yourself for heat wave Lucifer. I don't think I can prepare myself for that. Look, we like surprising our listeners. We like surprising ourselves by reporting new developments in science and while asking the big picture questions about why they matter and how they will affect our lives today and in the future. Well, we can't affect lives in the past, right? No, oh, I, I guess that's a point. <laughs> So the podcast is called Big Picture Science, and you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. We are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us. We hope you'll take a listen. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. All right, girl. What you got for me? Okay, wish me luck. Luck. 
Wait, I want to adjust my mic because I'm going to sit back in my chair. Okay. <sighs> well, you tell me a story. Okay. Oh, and you've got your tea. I got my tea. Are here. you comfortable? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Proceed. Beavers, undeniably adorable creatures. Their unique appearance and charming characteristics. You can just picture a beaver with its round, plump body covered mm -hmm. in dense, velvety fur. Yeah, I'm picturing it right now. They can range from dark brown to reddish brown. Sure. They've got this lustrous mm -hmm. sheen. They've got these tiny little small features on this endearing face and round ears, soulful dark eyes that seem to just radiate curiosity and intelligence. Well, I was picturing most of that, yes. And they got a cute little snout, and then their large, prominent incisor teeth. They've got, they've, these teeth are always <laughs> growing, so it gives them like this distinctive and just adorable look. Plus, they walk with this little waddle. They've got these short legs carrying their stout bodies, and their little waddle followed by that little tail. Overall, beavers possess a unique combination of adorable features and captivating behaviors that make them a true delight to behold. I'll say. Now, a beaver's teeth are specialized for gnawing through trees. A human's bite strength is about 120 PSI. Now, while there isn't a specific measurement for the strength of a beaver's bite, it's been estimated to be around 135 pounds per square inch. Holy crap. So it's no surprise that those sturdy incisors can do some damage and even kill. In 2013, a 60-year-old man was on a fishing trip in Belarus with his two friends when the group saw a beaver by the side of the road. Sergei Shtick, deputy head of the local wildlife inspectorate, said one of them wanted to be photographed with this beaver. And the animal attacked him and bit him twice, cutting an artery in no. his thigh. He was killed by a beaver? Yes. Oh my God. What a way to go. The guy's companions did their best to stop the bleeding, but it wasn't enough. The man bled to death before the ambulance even arrived. The doctor who arrived on scene said he was shocked by the nature of his wounds. Also in 2013, an 83-year-old woman was hospitalized in September after being mauled in Fairfax County, Virginia. Why is it it seems that the beavers are attacking the elderly? Maybe it's just that the elderly have a harder time getting away from them. <laughs> Maybe that's it. And according to the Daily Hampshire Gazette, a man who was attacked while swimming said... The beaver started on my leg. I never saw him. I thought it was some sort of mutant lake trout. <laughs> he surfaced near my head and grabbed my head. He went to bite my head. I punched him a couple of times, but the beaver continued to attack for five minutes until I could reach the shore. I had no idea that, that they would be that aggressive. They just seem like this docile, majestic creature. They're so cute and sweet, but they're also very territorial. Ah. So if they think that you are a threat to them, they will use those incisors and that incredible bite strength. Emily Stolarski, the communications director for the Massachusetts Division of Fisheries and Wildlife, said that even though beaver attacks are rare, each time our biologists felt that it was the beaver acting territorial near its lodge. Mm. And the thing is, especially we see it with people wanting selfies right. with wild animals. Right. They get so much closer than they should. And it's not the beaver's fault that he needs to protect his shit. It's your fault for getting so close. This story would have been good on the shallow end as well. Mm. Why you didn't just give me the story is, is beyond my scope of understanding. You know, I'm, I'm really sorry about that. When are you going to start doing all my work? You know, you can just have this and talk about it on the shallow end. No, I don't know. <laughs> Are you saying no one listens to the shallow end? No. Because <laughs> you've got a totally different way of telling a story and your head isn't filled with phlegm. That's true. Yeah. Although I'm quickly catching up, I think. Sorry with, with the, about with, that. With the head phlegm yeah. thing. Pandas. Pandas are undeniably adorable with their big round faces, big black eyes and fluffy bodies. They possess an irresistible charm. 
Their distinct black and white fur coupled with their playful nature makes them incredibly cute, munching on bamboo or clumsily rolling around. They just have a special way of melting our hearts. And severing our arteries, I'm guessing. You know it. Panda bear is considered to be the fifth strongest in the world. Shut up. It's funny when you think about that, when, when if you were to encounter a grizzly bear mm-hmm. in the wild, yeah. that would make me very distraught. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I encountered a panda in the wild, I'd want to go over and pet it. Yeah. Give it a big hug and it would sure. probably eat my face. And then Werner Herzog would make a documentary about it called Panda Man. Mm-hmm. The panda's strength is surpassed only by the lion, grizzly bear, polar bear, and tiger. Now, in March of 2014, officials in China were chasing a wild panda. It had made its way into a local village, and they wanted to make sure that it wasn't in the village. Just checked to make sure that there was nothing wrong with it, because generally pandas don't hang out in villages. Right. To quote the Daily Mail, Guan Quanzi was set upon by the panda. Now, this man was on his own property, just tending to shit, when the Chinese officials chased the panda onto his property. No. no. Yeah. He was just raking his yard yeah. or something. And-, and the panda was like, well, you're in the way, and mauled him. The man sued the local forestry and wildlife officials because he had to spend months in hospital and went through eight surgeries in just the year following the attack. His leg may still need to be amputated. It was stripped down to the bone. He received a payout that he said took care of his medical bills. So he was fine with that. But I can't imagine how terrifying that would be to just be going about your business and all of a sudden this panda bear Eat coming. Your leg. <laughs> yeah, no, essentially, yeah. If you had a choice, would you rather be murdered by a beaver or mauled by a panda bear? I think that the panda would take you out quicker. Yeah, I think with a beaver you have a chance. Well, you asked if I wanted to be killed by the beaver. I did say that, yes. I use words wrong sometimes. Sometimes. According to a Chinese New Jay. So do you, apparently. According to a Chinese news agency, a student named Lu was 20 years old, and he disregarded the warning signs at Guilin Zoo and jumped over the fence. This is not an uncommon story. Maybe, you know, regarding pandas, it's extremely rare, but... um, I'm always hearing about people disregarding those zoo signs. Oh, those monkeys look cute. Yeah. And then you get in there and they eat your face. Mm. And then Werner Herzog does a a documentary on it called Chimp Man. Right. The fence that this student jumped over was that of Yang Yang, the panda. And Yang Yang used his incredible straw strength to mutilate this guy's arms and legs. Using a really interesting technique, because there's a video of it. So what he did was he would grab on to a leg, let's say, and then he would kind of just roll his body onto the man's body. And so he's pulling the leg away from the man's body. Oh, my God. That's what, horrifying. Can you see how, like, yeah. picture how fucking terrible that would be awful but it also looked kind of cute because it was kind of playful like the way he was doing it but he was he was set to stripping yeah you know Uh uh-huh only a panda can tear off your leg and make it look cute disagree zookeepers intervened they calmed down the bear and rescued the man speaking from his hospital bed he stated that he thought yang yang was adorable and only wanted to cuddle with him Mm -hmm. quote i didn't think he would attack The student underwent surgery and was, quote, out of danger, uh, but had to remain in the hospital for several days. There were also two stories I found of people falling into. And I don't understand how you fall into a panda enclosure. And it was within the same year that two people, quote unquote, fell into a panda enclosure. Yeah. If they fell, there would be lawsuits because there wouldn't have been adequate fencing or what have you. So, yeah, fall in quotations. Even so, with no fence, like, do you just topple over all the time? Like, what's happening? (laughs) Anyway. Maybe you're so excited to see a panda. You're like one of those fainting goats. (laughs) Do you remember the time that Willie saw a goat at the tractor store yeah. and got so excited he pooped? <laughs> I do. 
Not Stone Man Willie, um, our pug Willie. Yeah. Mm. Um, he was so excited. I don't know if he'd ever seen a goat before. <laughs> no. And he was just, his little tail was going yeah. and he just was woof, woof, woof. And, and he, then just poop started shooting out of him. Yep. And I remember your response was, I get it, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, can you picture a slow Loris in your head? No, I can't picture a fast one either a slow loris is a small nocturnal primate is that the little guy with the big giant eyes that's right okay they look bewildered all of the time they are one of the cutest things i think that exists on the planet they're found in southeast asia and bordering areas from bangladesh and northeast india to the philippines and some places in china they have little round heads and these huge round eyes and a little button nose. Mm -hmm. And they've got this soft fur that ranges from brown to gray. And they've got some distinctive markings on their face. And they're just so sweet. They look like a little stuffed animal. But what makes them particularly endearing is their very deliberate and slow movements. Almost sloth-like. Okay, okay. They have a unique way of moving, though, and it's characterized by climbing that is very slow and deliberate and they reach out to grasp branches with both their hands and their feet and they've just got this unhurried vibe about them and they're just so sweet and cute and another aspect about them that is just like i can't get enough is sometimes if they're feeling a little threatened they might raise their arms above their heads to make themselves look taller but instead <laughs> it's just this little stuffed animal who's raising their arms up as high as they can and they're just so cute and i want to die he's trying to look menacing and really just appears to want to hug yeah it's almost like he's going up up mm-hmm but it is important to note that slow lorises have a sweat gland near their elbow that secretes a toxin. Ooh. So when they're alarmed, they lick the glands and then they'll bite you. They spread the toxin all over their teeth and they get it from their, their elbow and then they... And this venom can incapacitate predators as large as humans. No shit. Yeah. So if you see one of these guys licking their elbow, yeah. get the fuck out. It is crucial to appreciate their cuteness from a distance. I wonder if that's part of their arms raising thing is they're just making sure their elbow is close to their mouth. Close to their mouth, yeah. Mm. Makes sense. <laughs> can you lick your elbow? I don't think I can lick mine. I, no, I can't lick my elbow. I really appreciate that you just tried, though. It was... Wait. Uh, no, I'm going to dislocate my shoulder if I... No, I can't. That was pretty cute, though. Would you lick my elbow for me? <laughs> is it toxic? I don't know. I haven't showered yet. It could be. <laughs> it is crucial to appreciate their cuteness from a distance is the point. Yes. Now, you may have picked up on the theme here. I named this topic Dangerous Cutes. And one of the animals that I've always been fascinated with that I just think is so adorable and sweet is the kangaroo. Kangaroos undeniably cute. They're marsupials, which alone makes them captivating because we, you know, a lot of places don't have marsupials. So they're just so unique and sweet. And they are known for their unique hopping locomotion, large hind legs and their, their sweet tail. Little baby joeys are born. They're like the size of a jelly bean. Mm. And then they just spend all that time in mama's pouch and they grow up and try to... And have you ever seen a baby kangaroo in a rescue where the rescuers have like pillowcases that the joeys can yes. sleep in? Yeah, yeah. And it, they just hold the pillowcases out and the kangaroos like jump over and just leap headfirst into the <laughs> pillowcase. It's so adorable. I want a pillowcase full of little baby kangaroos. I know. And kangaroos have these expressive faces that add to their cuteness, large, soulful eyes. And they always kind of look a little curious and inquisitive. And they've got this fluffy, soft fur and long eyelashes that give them just this touch of charm. And while kangaroos are generally pretty peaceful and try to avoid conflicts, if they feel threatened or cornered, you are in danger. I had heard stories years ago um, where they can, with the strength of their feet, disembowel a person. They'll kick you and pull all your innards out. And then Werner Herzog will create a documentary called Kangaroo Man. 
So kangaroos can propel themselves up to six feet in the air. Think about this 200-pound animal that can launch six feet and how strong those legs have to be in order to be able to do that. They can jump 25 feet. They can run at 44 miles an hour. They have back legs that can kick with 759 pounds of force. They have these sweet little arms, but they can produce an impact momentum of up to 8,800 pounds feet per second. That's about 16 horsepower. Now, combining their weight and speed, this force is eight times the force produced by humans. That's incredible. So if one kangaroo is equal to 16 horsepower, how many kangaroo power would a 300 uh, horsepower engine be? That's fast math, and I... uh, Mm, I'm not a fast math guy either. Now, generally, kangaroos, as I said, are not into fighting. They don't want to, but with males competing for dominance or mates, there may be more aggressive posturing, um, and they can charge if they're provoked. 18.75 kangaroo power. In Australia, there are guidelines and safety measures in place to help prevent conflicts between humans and kangaroos, including, obviously, first and foremost, the education about their behavior and appropriate ways to interact with them. Last year, a relative found a 77-year-old man with serious injuries on his property in Australia. The man, who authorities believed was keeping a wild kangaroo captive, had died from kangaroo-related injuries. That's a phrase you don't often hear. Yeah. Kangaroos, adorable, yes, but kangaroos are stronger than humans in almost every aspect. I can't think, maybe like, nope, every aspect. (laughs) In summary, respecting animals means recognizing their right to live undisturbed and giving them the space that they need, no matter how cute and cuddly they appear. By doing so, we contribute to their well-being, we promote biodiversity, and we help maintain a delicate balance to our planet's ecosystems, as well as maintaining our innards inside Mm, our bellies. Which is important. That's right. I got my information from the AP News, Daily Telegraph, Field and Stream, Time, Smithsonian, and animalsresearch.com. When you first mentioned uh, beavers, it reminded me of a story uh, from my youth, and I'd like to tell it now. Oh, please do. Hold on. Let me get my tea and lean back in my chair. All right. Okay. I was in first grade, and this was uh, the early days of the Cold War. Uh, Just to kind of frame it for you. (laughs) It was a long time ago. Um, And I mention that because what you're about to hear would never happen today. We were in our class, again, six, seven years old, Mm -hmm. maybe. One of the kid's father was a uh, hunter and a trapper, and he trapped and killed a beaver. And then they had him come to the class with the dead beaver and show all the kids the dead beaver. And then they lined us up and made us walk by and touch it. Oh. I'm still scarred from that. I hate that. Yeah. To think that that was considered educational at the time. I haven't thought about that since Watergate. I guess every teacher's lesson plan is a little different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everybody's got their own unique syllabus. Right. When I was in high school, I refused to dissect anything. Mm Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was within my right to not do that. And of course, my teacher thought I was being dramatic and tried to persuade me to just do it because everyone else was. Right. And I was like, no, I have a new crossword puzzle and I'm going to, I'll go wait in the other room and you let me know when you're done. (laughs) And I remember there being some eye rolls. I grew up with kids whose parents, you know, again, dead beavers everywhere. So... Mm. I'm sure a lot of kids thought I was being redonk, but I really wanted to do that crossword puzzle. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all have priorities, even <laughs> even at an early age. Um, did she give you a passing grade or? I don't remember exactly how that went, but I don't think I would have mind failing it anyway. I was pretty loosey goosey with the high school experience. Not as loosey goosey as me. <clears throat> I mean, you know, when I went. Yeah, we both really kind of sucked at high school. (laughs) (laughs) 
Any Anyway. Hey, would you like to become a member of the Inner Circle of Freaks? Well, you could win one year's admittance on Patreon. Yeah, again, go to theboxofoddities.com, click on the link, and find all the ways to enter. The link says contest on it. You should have been able to figure that out by yourself. Get your friends into the box. Get into the box. And get yourself into the inner circle. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And thanks for suffering through this voice. I am really sorry. I find it sexy. Stop. Ew. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Have you ever wondered how inbred the Habsburgs really were? What women in the past used for birth control? Or what Queen Victoria's nine children got up to? On the History Tea Time podcast, I profile remarkable queens and LGBTQ plus royals, explore royal family trees, and delve into women's medical history and other fascinating topics. Join me every Tuesday for History Tea Time, wherever fine podcasts are enjoyed.